get out of this notion that, you know what, as a man, you have to be manly, you have to be hard, you have to be rough and tough and don't have any emotions. I think that's like pure bullshit that gets sold. You don't, oh, you're a man, you know what, you have to be manly. You know, why do you have to have a baritone voice? (laughs) You know, like you have to be like a manly baritone voice. Welcome to the Bro Novo Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. It's my pleasure to welcome you to another episode of the Bro Nouveau Podcast. We are here to model healthy communication for men. My guest this week is a good friend, Arya. He is truly one of the most inspirational, positive, and thoughtful people I've ever met. And I really am honored to say he's a very close friend and a brother. He moved over to the United States from India seven years ago, knowing no one and has built a life for himself here in San Francisco. And his story is a testament to the power of positivity and resilience and and what's possible when you put your mind to something. He also offers some unique perspectives on the nature of life coming from a more Eastern tradition, some ideas that I haven't been exposed to a ton that I found very interesting and a useful way to maintain positivity. So with that, I'll leave you to enjoy the show, and we'll see you next Thursday on the Bro Nouveau Podcast. And we're live. Arya, good evening. Good evening, Thomas. How are you doing, buddy? It's been so long since we have met. What, like maybe a couple of weeks before? It's been a few weeks, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks for hopping on the pod. I'm excited to get your thoughts on record. Yeah. Because you're a very interesting person. So I'm really uh, stoked to have you on and thank you for, thanks for doing it. Well, you know, thanks for those wonderful compliments. But I think that uh, it takes a one to understand and recognize one. So, yeah, you know what? You're a super exciting, wonderful, eclectic individual. And I so appreciate your company. And thanks for, you know, letting me in your life and podcast. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cheers, man. Yeah. That's a nice way to put it, you know, being a weirdo eclectic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are, like I said, an extremely interesting person. I've heard you speak about a lot of different topics society, culture, your perspectives, coming Eastern, Western culture. So let's start with kind of your background and for the people who are listening who haven't met you or don't know you, you know, what's the what's the the download on, you know, who is Arya? <laughs> As you mentioned, I have a lot of exposure on the Eastern and Western, both um, born and raised in India, spent 23 years of my life in India. And then one sudden morning thought about moving to the US, you know, for my studies and all. No, I I was kidding. It was not a one morning. <laughs> uh, because of the immigration process of the US, it takes a whole lot of paperwork and a whole lot of time <laughs> to move in here, in case you didn't know. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so um, like um, I said in, studied in India, I did my bachelor's in computer science and all. And then I had always had a passion for computer science, anything regarding technology and all, and uh, what's the best place in the world to be, you know? It was the U.S., the United States. Uh, so I packed my bags, um, 
you know what, pack, not packed my bags, literally I didn't pack my bags, but yeah, like a lot of things happened. I had to give GRE and this an exam and, um, came to the U S to do my master's from university of Illinois. And after that, I moved to Silicon Valley, which was my dream since I was like 10, 12 years ish. I remember, you know, when I saw, uh, my dad got me a computer at that age. It was like, you know, the broadband was like used to make sound like, ding, 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 you know, that kind of sound broadband where you hit Google and it takes like five minutes for the Google to, you know what, come to for page the, for the G to load. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. And, and, uh, I kind of remember, you know, what the first hit that I got in Google, can I search something, you know, can I search something in there and automatically I can see the responses coming. And I was like, Oh my God, is there somebody sitting in the back knowing what I'm thinking? <laughs> you know, that was like my, my, my early impression of like, Oh, there is somebody knew what I'm thinking. You know, it was a scary thought back then. And I started researching and all like, Oh, you know what? There are these two wonderful guys sitting in, in a different part of the world, you know, university called Stanford and trying to build this entire thing called search engine. You know, and that actually sparked my passion towards computer science. So, and that actually propelled me or, you know, what inspired me, triggered my entire enthusiasm or, um, for moving to the U.S. Uh, and, and it, it took, you know, what it took around what 10, 15 years for the dreams to come to reality. Uh, but yeah, I made it to Silicon Valley. And the first thing that I did after moving here was, go to um, the the garage where, you know what, Sergey Brin and Larry Page actually started coding for oh, Google. Oh, really? And that was actually, like I say, it's it's my Mecca. You know what? It's the place of worship. People go to temples to pray to God, but I feel a lot <laughs> what I am is because of the, the Google guys, you know? Wow. So I went in there and I was so excited. I literally cried. Kind of mm-hmm, thing. It was like mm-hmm. um, a kid in like an ice cream shop. Is it shop. a place you can visit still? Is yeah. it like a museum? Yes. No, it, it's not a museum, but you can see the house. The house is still there. It's actually owned by Google now. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of, maybe a couple of times a year, they open up and show what is inside and all. But you know what? I just went to the garage. The garage was still closed. The house was there. I just, it was yeah. just a surreal moment. For is it me. in Mountain View? It's in Mountain View. Yeah, Mountain it's View. in Mountain View. It's in Stanford, within the Stanford campus. Yeah. yeah. It, it was it, it was <laughs> such a moment. That's yeah. cool, man. Yeah. So yeah, that started my journey from India to the US and in Silicon Valley. And yeah, right now I work for a tech startup in the, um, in San Francisco. And, um, you know what? I always wanted that garage kind of experience. So I also joined this startup, which, which had like what seven, eight employees at that point mm-hmm. of time. We were literally coding out of a garage. So I wanted to have that experience. So yeah, I joined them and yeah, that's, that's you know what I don't want to take a lot of your time on that. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much sums up my story. That's what's up, man. Yeah. How was it getting a master's in computer science? I mean, yeah. just off the bat, that sounds yeah kind of daunting. Yeah. To someone who I'm I'm not particularly yeah. what's the word analytical or hmm. you know have have like the the science brain necessarily. Hmm. I mean so was it something you enjoyed or was it was it like a bit of a grind something you kind of just had to do as a step in the on the right you know on the ladder. Yeah, good question actually. So it's you know like I always say like when you love something so much it doesn't appear to be a grind. Like, let's take an example of Elon Musk, you know what he's running 
five or six different companies which are actually changing the entire business and how we think. You know what? And he works like what, like hundred hours per week. Mm-hmm. You know what? So, it, and it doesn't feel like he's working that much because he enjoys it so much. It, like when you don't enjoy things, it appears to be grind. So grind is kind um, of a wrong word. Yeah, I say yeah, when you love yeah. something that much, it doesn't feel like to be a grind. Uh, but yeah, masters. Um, yeah, I will say um, I studied bachelor's in computer science, and uh, and then I gave you know GRE. Uh, the GRE was pretty easy. You know what? When I was giving my oh GRE, my <laughs> I was giving my GRE. I'm like, oh my God, is this really a master's program that I'm applying to? You know, the, it, it was only quants and English and, and quants were so easy. You know what? It was like my high school maths oh my and uh, trigonometry, algebra kind of thing. And it was so easy, you know? So we have masters in, in, in India also. And the exams are really, really tough. If you're doing masters in computer science, you literally have or the, the syllabus will be whatever you have learned in bachelor's, you know. But in GRE, it was like full on like, you know what, like high school maths for us. So it was it, it was pretty interesting. So getting in was easy. How did you find hmm. the student, your, your fellow students and their competency and their, their intelligence? Was it, did you feel like you were on equal footing or were there people who were just geniuses that you were kind of overwhelmed by? Yeah. Or did you, or did you, did you find the the quality of the student kind of reflected by the barrier to entry, which was pretty low? Uh no, yeah, I will say in the master's program actually, this is very. I didn't think this will happen, but the master's program was actually like my class was like ninety ninety five percent from different parts of the world, and and it's mainly right. Asia. Right, right. You know, like PhD <laughs> and masters, like all Indians and Chinese. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> maybe like throwing a little bit of like uh, Middle Easterns. Iranians, yeah, maybe. a couple of Europe, couple of uh, Europeans. So, so the barrier was literally I was competing with the best of the best, right? You know, and and uh, the education, you know, what the ecosystem of both China and India are almost the same because we compete in different levels in Olympiads and maths Olympiad, physics Olympiad. You can always see Indians and Chinese competing against each other. So we have almost the same ecosystem of. A familiar foe. Yes, exactly. Familiar (laughs) foe, you know? Uh, So it was, it it was tough. It was tough. Definitely it was tough. And, and the good part of, um, you know, what the entrance in the US I feel is they don't only judge on the basis of marks, whatever you get, but there is like a holistic way they evaluate. Like, you know what? There is a GRE marks and in GRE quants, what I'm getting. And then there is statement of purpose, this letter of recommendation, what you have done in your bachelor's and what you, you know what, like your your years of experience. Yeah. You know, statement of purpose actually captures that. You know what? I definitely say like statement of purpose is, is the one that got me through my university because the cutoff for my university for GRE was pretty high. It was one of my ambitious list. You know what? So I, I, I never thought that I will get through that university uh, because of my marks, you know, but I, but I think my statement of purpose was strong enough to get me through that. What did you put down uh, for that one? It, it was, it was a lot of, you know what? What, what kind of freaking <laughs> tale did you spin up, buddy? This will be rich. <laughs> yes, you know what? I shouldn't say this. Um, I shouldn't say this in this podcast. You know what? They will help me accountable. Like you lie. No, I'm just kidding. It, it was. Uh, it was like statement of purpose has a very different flow. It will. You have to tell a story. What inspired you to take up this thing? You know. So that's that's the story. That's the story. Yeah, I will. Um, 
like everyone has to say when they're writing the statement of purpose, like straight from when you're in school, what inspired you to take up computer science and you know what inspired you to follow down that path. So there should be a thin thread connecting your passion. Right. What they want to see is students with a lot of passion. You know what? It doesn't matter what you're doing. Are you really, really passionate towards it or not? Are you going to bring that energy to our campus? Yes. Right. That's very important. You know what? You can, you, you can, you know what? Even if you are a mediocre student, I feel with a lot of passion, you can actually put in that work yeah. to make it happen. If yeah. you don't have passion, if you're intelligent, it doesn't matter. You know what? You'll get lazy. Yeah. Yeah. But how have you developed, man? So you're, you came to the US knowing zero people. Yeah. You were in a hard program. I mean, you came, that's the, like, yeah. So, it's been seven years now, right? Yeah, six, six, six and a half years. Yeah, seven years, maybe touching. Yeah. And so, what do you think that you're, if you could, as you reflect, and I know you because you're a reflective person, you thought about it. Like, what are the biggest changes you observed in yourself from that experience? Because you're you're encouraging people to travel, and yeah. you know, so what are the things in yourself that you see that you like after that this experience so far? Uh, a lot of growth, a lot of growth, growth, and open mindedness. Uh, non-judgmental, you know, uh, like, like all societies, I guess it's not the Western on the Eastern or any kind of society. I'll say like, we tend to get judgmental yeah. of people, yeah, you know, people. what, how they dress, yeah. what they do and how they look yeah. and all of these what things. What they do for work. Yes. If they're fat, if they're skinny. Exactly. You yeah. know, it's a very, uh, if, their, very... if their name's Arya. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, um, but, uh, well, I have a very like unisex name, you know what? Like Aria can be a male or a female right. and, um, and, um, uh, yeah, I have been, uh, I, I have been questioned on that a lot of times. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, I feel like your full name is less. Yes. My, my full name is Aria Deep actually. That sounds so, pretty masculine to me. Yes. You know what? Yeah. That's, that's the entire word. So my, my name is like half Persian, half Indian. So Arya in Persian means um, uh, the the source, you know what, the source, the source of the knowledge, sorry. Arya in Persian means the knowledge, the truth. And the deep means, uh, in Sanskrit, it means the source, the light. So combined together, it means the light or source of knowledge, which purely I don't have it. I don't know why my mom and dad gave me that name, but That's still, a big I name. Love it. That's a big name to live up to. <laughs> What's the history of that name? Why, why the... Persian and the and the Hindi mix. Um, I don't know. To be honest, I've never asked my parents about it. You know what? Maybe I'll ask them the next time I visit to India. But um, uh, Arya is not a very common name in in India that I know. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe I'll ask them the next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's no like lineage, like family, the ancestry, ancestry. I. My, I'm not sure about it, but I feel a lot of North Indians have uh, their lineage traced back to Persia, like modern day Iran, Iraq, Turkey and all, mm -hmm. right? A lot of like Persian kings and queens, they settled in northern part of India. So we have a lot of like genealogy and history on the northern part of in India. And if I do Ancestry.com or yeah. whatever, you know what? Uh, 
like those kind of things, like definitely uh, a route, you know what, my, my, my route can be traced back to ancient Persia. I feel like maybe that's the reason, you know what, they gave like, oh, you know what, you have an ancestor in Persia and then you're born in India. So let's mix and match it yeah. kind of thing. That's and my beard says it all. I have a good beard, by the way. Thick beard. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, you do. It's a beautiful beard. Yeah. So less judgmental. Yeah. yeah. So do you, I mean, here's August. I'll give a theory about why that makes sense to me and maybe you can confirm or deny yeah. it. So I would imagine... You know, maybe you have before, you know, preconceived notions of Americans, right? Or like, yeah. oh, like Americans are going to be, you know, fat and <laughs> selfish and obsessed with status. or what, And then you meet a lot of nice Americans. Or maybe you have expectations of like, oh, these Americans are going to be so nice. Then you meet people and they suck, <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh, maybe it's impossible to, to know what people are going to be like. And everyone's an individual different. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But why do you, th- what do you think about? That experience of of coming to a country where you know no one else and mm-hmm. making a life for yourself. Why do you think that led to a more open or not? I guess a less judgmental mindset. Yeah, that's a that's definitely a good question. Um, first of all, I had the whatever impression I had of the U.S. is from Hollywood, and they're all good looking people. You know, <laughs> and 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 I didn't even think about like Americans are like obese or you know what, not that I had like oh my god, the girls are hot, the guys are hot, everyone is hot. Everyone's hot. Yeah, every, everyone's <laughs> super hot. You know, like you know, it's it's uh, guys just in like guys are just running on the beach in boxers, and you know, it's like <laughs> super ripped girls are like all supermodels in here. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, um, yeah, um. I definitely had preconceived uh, notions about the society, how it behaves and uh, how it acts and how it nurtures itself. Uh, but as I mixed with people, again, you know what? I'm a super, super extrovert person. You know what? I'm not the one who is going to, you know what, stay in cocoon for for a long time. So part of my process was like opening up to people, you know what? Opening up to people. Um, having them welcome me, having me welcome them into my lives and getting to know from each other. You know what? That was a part of the learning process. And I feel like it's also part of the reason that I moved to San Francisco. Like I've lived in like big cities in the US, like Los Angeles or like Chicago or like San Francisco. San Francisco taught me a lot. I feel it depends also on the city that you live in. You know what? No offense to Midwest, but you know what? If you're like stuck in some rural city in Mississippi or Iowa or whatever that is, it's very hard to have that exposure. Yeah. You know what? And exposure is what like builds, makes or like it is one of the things that makes people. I feel like nature and nurture. Nurture matters a lot. The experience that you have. I feel like San Francisco. Yeah. San Francisco helped me a lot to open up, you know, like. Same. Um, yeah, you know, like I, I met wonderful people. People are super, super non-judgmental in here. And I saw like, you know, like I used to think, you know what, part of the reason was I used to think like all the tech guys are super nerd. You know what? They're like coding or like studying and that's it. They have yeah. no life, you yeah, know? Yeah. And um, and now you see me, I have like a 
beard and a ponytail. I am not like a stereotypical nerd guy, right? And I feel like that kind of thing, like San Francisco taught me, you know what? Like you don't have to be sticking and you don't have to follow the stereotype or be what the society wants, but you can do everything. Like you can be an entrepreneur, tech entrepreneur by day and a DJ by night, you know, a music producer in the afternoon and you can go to a fucking sex party over the weekends. Nothing is looked down upon and everything is embraced upon. Mm -hmm. You know what? And that is so important. And uh, I feel like San Francisco played a major role in my growing up as a person. Like I jokingly say, you know what? Like if one city can embody me kind of thing, you know what? If I have an equivalent to like Aria's equivalent to a city, that would be San Francisco. Nice. Dude. You know? Um, um, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Totally, man. You, you thrive here. Yeah. Likewise, yeah. it definitely has made me, less judgmental and it's kind of yeah. funny it's kind of cool thing about here is that the, i feel like the only people who get judged here are the people who are judgmental you yeah, know what i mean like totally being, like being a normie whatever you know or like being i don't know like there are <laughs> neighborhoods where like you know like american kids go to college and they get like a, a job and like live in the neighborhood yeah. and it's kind of like a continuation of like the american college culture yeah and everybody else is like like yeah boo, they boo, like, like what are you doing yeah. right what, what are you doing yeah um but but yeah but i feel like that example encapsulates the challenge of being non-judgmental right because if like we're like giving ourselves a pat in the back for being not yeah I, all right I, I won't speak for you if i'm giving myself a pat in the back for being non-judgmental and then make fun of people who have a different lifestyle than me yeah What's the, like, yeah, like what's the point that's being a like hypocrite right <laughs> yeah exactly um so it's also a, a hippie i don't know yeah it's interesting right like it's a it's kind of a dichotomy it's it's yeah it gets a choice i feel you know what like um like i see i have grown you know what like again i used to judge somebody like yeah as you said you know what if you're living like a normal life you know what like you are not living your life kind of thing, like go out and explore. But then also right now, what I have realized is that's your choice. If they don't want to open up, that's your choice. You know what? And what I say is their karma. Maybe, you know what? There is nothing wrong in it. it Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like it. It's, it's, it's a karma. You know what? Like, Again, like we come to the karma. I don't know whether we believe in karma or not, but I, I'm not a super, like I'm not a religious person. Uh, but I believe in karma because the country, like we were talking in the evening, the country you were born determines a lot what you're going to do with your life, how you're going to lead your life, you know, and what, what actually determine like where you are born because that's gonna, you know, what the family you are born in, the state you're born in. If you're born in Silicon Valley in a tech entrepreneur's house, you are like, you're good. Like your opportunity is way higher. Your your chance of making it in life is way higher, even if you're mediocre. You know? Yeah, especially here, like you said. Uh meaning in the US specifically, <laughs> compared to like a, a a country with fewer opportunities. Yes. You know, so uh, the karma plays a major role. So if it gets the karma not to grow, like I cannot be judgmental about that. You know what? They're missing out. I can say they're missing out a huge part of their life of their existence i definitely feel like every day you have to grow as a person if you're not growing as a person you're dead how do you track your growth you know what like growth can be like an 
incremental basis. Like when you, when you're gymming, you're not going to feel the effect that day, but suddenly one, like six months from now, you're going to suddenly feel like, Oh, I have like body right now. Same with meditation, right? You're not going to, yeah. Like, you know, like if you feel that you meditate for 20 days and you get enlightened, like Siddharth Gautama, AKA Buddha, it's never going to happen. But what happens is like, you are meditating, you're meditating, you're meditating. And again, and after a year, you will see there may be a circumstance like where you get super angry, but you will see that you didn't react to that. Like what happened? I didn't react to it. So I track growth as that kind of thing. You know what? If it's not, I track it every day. It shows me in different instances. You see it in challenging situations. Exactly. You know what? Like where I would have reacted, why would I have thought very differently? Those things doesn't happen to me. So then I, then I'm like, okay, you know what? I have grown as a person. I have matured as a person. You know, it's not like an everyday right. tracker kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm some, I'm very visual and I like to see, yeah, I like to see like tangible results. So yeah. that's kind of why I asked. Hmm. But that makes sense, man. Thinking back to yeah. one's younger self and, hmm. and how like dealing with situations, you know, hmm. like I think about like I've been fired from two jobs in my life. Yeah. The first one, I was working at a Chipotle <laughs> in uh, Philadelphia <laughs> and I got fired and, and I was pretty, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't react necessarily poorly, Yeah, but the next time I got fired, the stakes were much higher. You know, mm-hmm. it was, it was a job, my first job out of college. Yeah. It was a work I wasn't loving. I was really struggling. I was yeah. working really hard, but not yeah. getting results. Mm-hmm. And I got like strategically shown the door like technically i resigned because yeah they like played me because mm. they didn't you know I w- they didn't have to pay me yeah you know severance or whatever yeah but anyway unemployment rather yeah but I th- I, I, thinking back how i reacted like mm. i was just like fuck it mm. i'm not leaving mm. i'm gonna make it work mm. and i'll get a new job mm. and it worked out mm. and uh, there's a lot of like other reasons behind that yeah you know especially like me being like a white guy yeah. in the USA. Like mm. I'm not, I'm not saying that like, Oh, my great attitude got me this job. You yeah. know, like there are other factors, but just thinking about like how much growth there was between yeah. age 15 and 21 or whatever the gap was in those, in those years. Mm. So the whole Bronivo podcast, we try to give tangible ways for people to grow or be more empathetic or increase their communication skills. Yeah. So like, like you're a very well-rounded person. I feel like you have a lot of, <laughs> potential kind of knowledge and wisdom to share. Yeah. So for the people listening, let's say men specifically who haven't really started that self growth and self work journey, but they want yeah. to, what would you kind of say to them to encourage them? Yeah, there was, there's a lot of things I would definitely want to share. First off, it was like, first of all, like get out of this notion that, you know what, as a man, you have to be manly. You have to be hard. You have to be rough and tough and don't have any emotions. I think that's like pure bullshit that gets sold. 
you don't, oh, you're a man. You know, why do you have to be manly? You know, why do you have to have a baritone voice? And, <laughs> and, you know, like you have to be like a manly baritone voice. And uh, you don't have to be in touch with your emotions. You have to be a rock stone cold person. I think, you know, uh, my partner tells me that this is like how American man, quote unquote, yeah. they grew up in that kind of mentality. Especially where she's from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's, um, it, it's, I feel that that first, like, that's the first thing that men needs to evolve as like, hey, you can have emotions, get in touch with your emotions. Empathy is the leading factor of what is wrong in the world right now. Empathy. If you start to feel the pain of others, and for that, you need to have emotions, we're going to grow so much as somebody, I feel, you know. Totally. Yeah. Totally, dude. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's massive. It's yeah. It's it's a bit of a stump. It's like a, a domino falling because if you if someone can if I can feel empathy for you, yeah. then it's harder to judge you. Yeah, totally. It's harder to hold on to my preconceived yeah. notions of you. Yeah, if I can see your humanity and see yeah. your struggle, and that's why, yeah. dude, I really struggle with like, say, like a someone who is. Uh, asking for money or saying they're homeless or, yeah, you know, even if I'm jaded and I think they're lying, hmm. like this person is still in a place of desperation, right? Like, yeah, it wasn't their aspiration to become homeless, be in a CVS hmm. asking for a charger, you yeah. know, like that's even, and even if they have a home and they're just hustling, like, I don't know. I, I feel the empathy, right? It, it's hard to, yeah. Yeah, like as, I would say I'm an empathetic person and it, it can be overwhelming sometimes too, you know? It, it can be and that's why you need to draw the line. Yeah, I feel, you know yeah. what? You, you you cannot let yourself go too much to be so much of yeah. empathic so that people can take advantage of you. Yeah, that, happens. that happens. That happens. Yeah. That is a reality, it's you know? Yeah, so you know what? Like you don't let yourself be so <laughs> much into that you get take, taken advantage, but yeah. also you're not so stone cold. You know what? And... um so that you are not touched with your emotions after all, you know what? Um, so, and that is a part of life, you know what? Like getting to know what you're better at and how to grow yourself. I think like growth perspective, as we were saying, you know what? I also see empathy as a growth trajectory also, you know, like how much empathy you're harboring within yourself, you know what? And you can see the small, small details in and here with your relationship, with your friendship, with your partnership, whatever. Um, yeah. Um, I would definitely urge men to have a lot of self-care. You know what? Self-care is looked down upon. I know. And, and like through, throughout the world, I feel like self-care for men, you know what? Right. Like, oh, you know what? If you're, and self-care means like every detail I'm saying, you know what? Like maybe, you know what? Like spending a day reading or having a bath. Like why not taking care of your skin, going to a manicure and a pedicure? Why not? dressing yourself you know what looking yourself in the mirror and saying that oh you know what i'm stylish i'm good mm -hmm. i look good like why not seriously you know what appreciating yourself that is very important you know what like giving a pat on the back like you did good like those kind of self-care i'm yeah. talking about the self-care yeah, like telling telling oneself that like i'm proud of you yes i'm proud of you for trying today exactly and not you giving know? up or yes or yeah, not giving into frustration. Or, yes. Yeah, totally, yeah. man. 
you know? Because I think, too, there's part of the complication. This is a good mm. potential discovery here. Yeah. Because we're also pretty actively discouraged from being cocky and mm. overconfident and, yeah. and selfish, right? Like, mm. we're, men are kind of at once told to not be in touch with our emotions, but also not to be too proud of ourselves. Yeah. So we're discouraged from looking within and also discouraged from applauding ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah. Totally makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Um, applauding yourself. Yes. Why not? I feel like, you know what? Appreciation. Again, I say appreciation, applauding yourself should be a part of the self care, you know, routine. And you also yeah. have expressive outlets photography you make music yeah you you love your festivals and your <laughs> your, your your awesome outfits at uh festivals and like you know concerts yeah the burn yeah you so you have those creative outlets um so it sounds like moving here helped you get to that expressive point right because because if as i met you and if someone listening were to meet you now yeah they would see this person who's very confident and calm and colorful yeah. with your clothing yeah you're friendly you're joking you're laughing you're not afraid to dance or be silly yeah you're you're someone who really exudes positivity yeah but what i'm hearing is that it wasn't always like that no and that's wasn't. also cool for someone listening because there's growth potential for everybody yeah like you weren't just born like that no i wasn't you know what getting back like i would definitely say i had a rough time and uh it was such like I was such an I, I had no confidence in me. Part of the reason was I think like from like 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 till the age of fifteen, Thomas. I feel like till the age of fifteen, I used to fumble when I used to say my name. I used to stammer. Wow. Yes, I was such such like and. I like my parents took me to some doctor a couple of times and all, and and um, <laughs> they said, that, yeah. <laughs> what did the doctor say? <laughs> no, you know what? Like, if I need a sp speech therapist and kind of yeah, thing, you know what? And yeah. doctor said that there's nothing wrong. It's fine. You know what? It may be the confidence thing. You know, right. and like, imagine, you know what? You cannot tell your name. You're stammering like, uh, 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 uh. That affects Aria. your whole life. It fucking affects your whole life, man. If you're stammering three or four times before introducing yourself. Holy shit. Imagine what it does it, to a kid. And it seeps in. Yes. It seeps exactly. into your body. This Exactly. Oh. It, it hurts. And, yeah. and kids at that age would make fun of you, right? Yeah. You know yeah. that. You know what? Like, oh, you're kids, are, like, kids are brutal. Kids are brutal, okay? Yeah. Bullies, you know? <laughs> so I, I was like, you know what? Yes. I would say like, you know, I used to fumble a lot. Not fumble a lot, like during, you know what, there was like some letters I would fumble, you know what? And that was solely a confidence issue. Totally, I realized it. And and then I don't know what happened, you know what, like uh, once I went to college, I feel like, like bachelors, my bachelors, I flowered. I think like I literally um, had to make my mind whether I'm going to be like a backbencher or, you know what, like sleep for my entire life like mm -hmm. that. And, you know what, go through that pain or I'm going to rise up and just break everything. You know, I chose the latter. Hell yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that point of time I did everything. Part of the was like, I did everything that I couldn't do. 
I was stammering. I was participating in debates. I used you, to fumble. It's fucking fine. You forced yourself. Yes, I forced myself. Yeah, I'll say, you know what? I, I forced myself again and again and again. You know what? And it was a confidence issue for sure. You know what? I realized that. And at one fine morning, again, at one fine morning after a year, couple of years, I was like, oh my God, it's gone. I didn't even like recognize it. You know what? It's like an incremental progress, but it, it, it was gone. For sure. Yeah. That shows up for me with, like, say, anxiety. And, and I, you know, if things, if I'm having anxiety about something and it comes up, yeah, focusing on it yes. prolongs it. Yeah. But just letting it be there and being like, okay, it's you, my old friend, anxiety. Yeah. And then eventually a few months, years, however long down the line, one day I wake up and say, oh, yeah. I haven't worried about that thing yeah, yeah. in months. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it feels great. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, on this note, I was like, I would definitely tell the, you know what, the listeners, like the power of positivity. It's so damn important to have the power of positivity. And to have that, first you have to eliminate all the negativities from your life. Beat your friends, beat your family, beat your partner. Like literally I'm saying, because you are actually the summation of five people you hang around with. You know, if your friends are literally breeding grounds of negativity, just be alone. You can do better. (laughs) I'm saying, you know, literally, you know what? I will definitely say be neutral rather than negative. 100%. You know, be a neutral rather than being negative. Because then once you surround yourself with positive influences, you're going to rise up. It's so much the power I have served, like, as you know, I'm a super positive person. It wasn't like that. Again, you know what? But I've realized throughout my experiences, I've realized the power of positivity. It's something in the air that literally lights you up. And you will light up everyone around you. Everyone around you. Because it is a hardcore truth. You and me, none of us are getting out of this alive. Right? Right. So there is nothing to be (laughs) negative about. Everything comes in circle. Yeah. You know, it's so. And that, that's the, that sounds like the more (laughs) Eastern mindset. Yes. The reincarnation you mentioned karma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, I'm not a super religious person, but I have been like raised in a very spiritual household and, you know, I know religion and spiritual are considered almost the same in the Western culture, kind of, but it's different in San Francisco. I know. Uh, but, uh, uh, but yeah, like spirituality is very different and uh, a lot of Eastern spirituality. Um, I have been like raised with the ethos of Hinduism and Buddhism, actually. So a lot of those, um, yeah. And a, a lot of those philosophies revolved around, um, like, you know what? It's fine. You know what? Things will get better. You know what? You have to hold on. Since you have enjoyed the, since you have enjoyed the light, there will be a little bit of darkness. And again, it will be a light. It is the circle of uh, life. And so you have to hold on to it. Um, be positive about it. Like everything is about positivity, harboring positivity. You know what? There's a lot of people I think in here. Oh, you know what? Like since you're like, enjoying positivity, you know what? You should also, quote unquote, enjoy the negativity of life. I'm not on that school of thought. Even in negative times, you can be super positive. You have to have your mind cultivate or train in such a manner you can be. 
a positive person. There is nothing in the world that's negative. If you go at a bird's eye view, we're just like small, like you no know, small actors in this realm of life. 60, 70 years is literally a fraction of a second in the universe's lifetime. We are nothing, you know, like, and we have so much of big egos. Half of the things, like, why do we get negative about it? I don't get it. <laughs> like, I don't get it. Like, yeah. you know, like, why do you get negative about it? Oh, you know what? Your girlfriend dumped you. Your boyfriend dumped you. Oh, your boyfriend didn't treat you. Whatever. You know what? Like your company and this yeah. and that. At a broader sense of term, you have a life. You have a healthy life. And you're living it. You're breathing it. You're enjoying this beauty of nature. You're enjoying this beautiful human creation where you can breathe, you can feel, you can emote. There are so many wonderful things that you can see and feel and smell with your five wonderful senses. So why be so negative about it? Even if something has happened in your life, I'm not saying it has not, but if you put yourself up, like, you know what, like zoom out at a bigger scale, there are so many wonderful things to enjoy. And I feel that people should actually, like, instead of seeing the glass half empty, they should see the glass half full kind of thing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. And I, hmm. I agree with you, man. Yeah. And some people are just chemically wired where they can't meditation. You think so? Yeah. The power of meditation. There is one and one thing that can treat everything internal meditation. And I'm not saying again, I'm going to bring back not a California style yoga and meditation. (laughs) Period. Please listeners don't get into spiritual bypassing. Please, please, please taking acid in the morning and doing yoga at nighttime or yoga in daytime and acid in the morning, it's not going to solve you any purpose in life. Nothing. (laughs) Yes. Buddha didn't get enlightenment just by popping acid. (laughs) Okay. So I have been practicing meditation for over seven, eight years. I can totally attest to the fact that as Thomas said, you know, I like, um, I go to a lot of music festivals, a lot, a lot of music festivals. And I do every festival clean. Even Burning Man, I do clean. Clean means I don't take alcohol. I don't have any drugs. And I, I can I feel the exact same thing that yeah, people feel. And you remember every single moment. Exactly. So that's the point. You know what? You have to feel the experience as it is presented in the nature. You know what? That's a great point, man. That is one of the things I admire the most about you is that you are largely abstinent from all substances. Yeah. I am. Like I maybe have we might have had like one or two beers yeah. or one or two cocktails yeah. like in 3 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but still we had a wonderful time, right? We Every so time. Much fun. Yeah. Yeah. We laugh our asses off. We yeah. act like we're drunk. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is what happens when you're high on life. You don't need to get high on anything. This is what I believe. And this is what the power of meditation brings in. Mm-hmm. You know, power of spirituality meditation brings in. Um that high on life you can literally get stoned, quote unquote, stoned on life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so have you, 
have you are you a naturally depressed or anxious person and have you come through that with meditation because th- that's just my quantifying or my qualifying questions because yeah. you know, some people chemically wired are depressed you know what i mean it's like it's not like because i've had this conversation and i've met people along the way hmm. and i'm like oh the power of positivity and they're like hmm. you're such a jackass like you don't know what my life is like yeah with this crippling anxiety and the, you yeah. know what I, you know what i mean so i've just been kind of like checked on that or, mm. so i'm kind of curious to hear you know i agree with you or in theory i i hope so mm. but i also have empathy right for people mm. who maybe their brains aren't and then also but then also the counter argument is like mm. medicated generation pills and doctors <laughs> who make money off of medicating kids and yeah i know it's complicated yeah it gets complicated because again we get into the american healthcare system which is big time fuck you <laughs> <laughs> i i work in insurance yeah. tech so yeah. I, I i know you know what it, it's a vicious cycle between like hospitals and doctors and medical uh, companies and you know it's again we are not getting into that uh you know like Again, it's a part of nurture, I feel, mm-hmm. you know. So if you're nurtured, when you're born, if you're nurtured in a certain manner, you automatically get into the groove of having a healthy lifestyle. If from the beginning you are, say, that have your greens, when you're born, you're born with a clean slate, right? Totally a clean slate. Unless you're – well, I mean – not necessarily. Yeah. If your mom had bad nutrition and she was in a house with cigarette smoke and addicted to drugs, yeah, you're not really born clean. But anyway, that's I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm saying the habits; those are habits. You don't pick yeah. up those habits, right? Right. You don't pick up those habits once you're born. I'm saying. I'm just saying, like when you are born, if you are, if you go through a healthy lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know what? If your parents are not, you know what, having like soda every day yeah, or like yeah, right, you know right, KFC's right. chicken yeah, yeah. every day and having greens every day no sugar kind of diet you know what you will automatically be attracted to those things this is by human nature this is like 101 you know what there are some things that genetical i'm not saying you know what but you cannot blame genetics throughout your life and live your life like that no you can't you cannot Right. You can better it. I'm saying, okay, you know what? You have been genetically, okay, you know what? Genetically or family wise, it is there, some things in there. And I'm not, you know, knowledgeable enough to discuss about those things because I haven't done my research. But you cannot blame it. Like, I feel a lot of people blame on, like, oh, I had bad parents. Oh, I have a bad genetics. Oh, I was born in a bad family. You're going to live your life just making excuses or you're going to actually work hard trying to get better. I'm not saying 100% eradication, but maybe you reach like 50%. For sure. You know what? And that's the power of... Um, there are still things that anyone can control. Exactly. You exactly. Know? You know what? Yeah, exactly. The, the inputs. Yes. The only thing we control is ourselves. We can't yeah. control other people. We can't no. control life, the weather, Nothing. opportunities. Yeah. yeah. It's um, it's like such a cliche. <laughs> You know, only control, you can't control what happens, you only, how you react to it. Yeah. But it's, it's true. <laughs> it's super true. <laughs> and it, it, I like hate that it's true because it's so cliche, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't hate that it's true. It's great that it's, great that it's true. 
it just becomes so like worn, you know. Like, it, it, it's you know again, I feel that it has been built in by the society that you cannot um, retrain yourself. I have seen people from nothing become that's a great everything. Yeah, you know, like it, it's been like built up by society that you cannot be more. You know what? You are mediocre. You cannot grow as an individual. You know, the entire education system in the U.S. has been actually modeled into making factory workers. It is not modeled on people getting education. You know, those uniforms are six to nine. Those are actually factory worker thing. So from childhood, you train someone to become a factory worker, not use your mind. And this is like not from the US. I feel in India or like throughout most of the world, I feel like Europe is doing better job, like Finland education system and all, they're doing better job in actually piquing the interest in kids. But I feel most of the world is actually, you know what, made on the basis of like when you churn out factory workers. You don't question. No. You just fucking follow. I know, dude. Yeah. And, and that's, I guess, the common theme of everyone I've talked to on this program is yeah. that everyone has been seekers. Yeah. And just not accepting things as they are and not accepting the status quo and, and yeah. having the mindset of this can be better. This life can be better. Yeah. Why are we just accepting this? Yeah. You, you know, know, there is, there is no, there is no reason to accept it. And even if there has been, this has been a system for 50 years, 60 years, 100 years, doesn't matter. It's good. <laughs> you know, we didn't reach here just by following the status quo. If, if the first person, you know what, like 50,000, 60,000, whatever million years back, he was like making fire and he thought that, okay, I'm good. You know what? Since I've gotten fire, I'm living in cave, having sex and eating food. That's good. We wouldn't have reached talking in here, right? So nothing happened. Like things happen when people break the status quo and it's happening in Silicon Valley. We are sitting in the, the, I can talk from the technology point of view that the last 20 years we have grown so much because every company or every entrepreneur or every person has tried to break the status quo. Like, I'm not going to fucking do what the society wants me to be. I'm not going to fucking go by the system or the rules of the book. I'm going to fucking break it. I didn't reach in here by, you know what, like leaving the status quo. I'm no one in here. But I took a decision, a conscious decision to move all the way, rip my life and move all the way 10,000 miles and do my own thing. That's like a very small example. So you have to break the status quo. You have to push yourself. You have to, you know what, grind. You have to hustle. You have to like, like go out of your comfort zone. Then only you can flourish. Not only from a job or like job or work perspective, as a person, as a person, I'm just saying as a person, if you want to see yourself grow, you totally. have to do that. And it's also accessible on the, on the micro level. Yeah. When you think about the analogy of rehabilitating an injury, you have to train the small muscles in the ankle mm -hmm. again and stabilize them yeah. before the wider leg can become stable again. Yeah. Someone also doesn't need to leave the U.S. and move to India necessarily. No. There are all kinds of decisions we make every day. Yeah. Like for me, I've been trying to incorporate more moments of resistance every day. So if I have the urge to drink a cup of coffee, yeah. say no. The urge to check my phone, say no. Yeah. I feel a part of the – I am in tech and like I am super – Wait, you are? 
Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't uh, know that. Right? <laughs> uh, so, uh, no. Instant gratification. You know, yeah. that's, that's a part that of the problem. Toxic, yeah, that is toxic. A part of the reason the, uh, like the American society, I see a lot of people depressed and anxious in here is part of the reason of instant gratification. People don't want to build something. You know what? And because tech is coming up, you need a food, you will get it in three minutes or you need an Uber, you'll get it in two minutes. You need a date, you'll get it in like a swipe, like every app or every part of technology is built on the part of instant gratification Like you don't have to work towards it, you know, and that's what happens. And that's why people get anxious about it. Like, let's say you, you swipe a tender and you meet a girl and you're not putting in the effort to understand that person. You know what? Like you have to put in an effort to know somebody. Somebody's not customized for you. You know what? That's yeah. never going to happen. It's not a software you can, you know what, put in pieces and make yeah. the person, right? And you have to, and I've observed with, yeah. with the dating, especially is like, if you go on a date with somebody, yeah. there's no way to guarantee a, a chemistry. But if you meet someone in person, you both know within 30 seconds if there's a mutual attraction. Yeah. And it's, instead of like going on an app where you have to go through all the steps, arrange it, yeah. meet up. And then if, if you don't like each other in the first 30 seconds, you're stuck for an hour and then you're st- somebody's stuck with a bill. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, I just paid to waste my time. Like, great. Yeah, it's like, I, I feel like coming to dating apps, I feel these are wonderful way to meet people. You know what? Like personally for me, I feel like since I'm from, you know, from, uh, from India, I don't have like a huge network in here, like schools and this and that. Like I went to school in the Midwest, which right. is, you know, which is a very different. It probably left. Yeah. It's from left. Right. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, the Illini couldn't hold you. Yeah. Totally. It cannot. <laughs> <laughs> It's wonderful to meet people, but again, to know somebody, you have to spend some time and build something. I feel like the building part is missing a lot in the, you know, what in the culture of instant gratification. And that is causing a lot of anxiety among the youth or, you know, what people, millennials in our generation is causing a lot of pain and suffering because people are not ready to put in the hard work. Again, you have to put in the hard work in your work in your self-care, in your life, in your partnership, in your relationship, every kind of ship that sails. I'll say that. Whoa. What a line. <laughs> Did you make that up? Yeah. On oh, the go, maybe. That's yeah. gold, baby. Uh, so okay, that, any a- kind of ship that sails uh, needs to be put in an effort. Yeah. All right. Well, us blabbermouths, we're, yeah. uh, we're burning daylight here. So let's yeah. pivot to the three things game. Oh, yeah. Your birthday is sooner. So here's your question. Oh, Oh, wow. What are the three things you have learned from men? Nice question. Ooh, well, that's uh, men, yeah. <laughs> men. Men, you know. <laughs> Better be woman, you tell me. <laughs> what are the three things you've learned from men? First of all, you know, there there is this concept that men don't have emotions. There's a very general, you know, a general concept. In here, in the U.S., I feel, even in India also, you know what, like, I feel a lot of people like, oh, you know what, guys don't have any emotions. I feel that is not true. Maybe it's, um, um, maybe that's a minority, you know, but we definitely have emotions in us and we are trying 
do better ourselves. You know, what just give us that opportunity, <laughs> mm. like because of the society and how, you know, what society has nourished or cultured or cultivated us for centuries. We have been taught to become harder, but I feel like every man has a little bit of emotion in them, but they are the feminine. Yeah. The femininity, you know, it's, but they are, it's just a time to nurture and get it out. With. But I, but like you, Thomas, you know what? It, I feel with your background, you know what, you played football, rugby, right? Rugby. And you know what, those are stereotypical, like strong men, like bros, you know, like that kind of thing. Like I'm a bro and, you know, just to get together. But I've seen a very different part of you. You know what, for the last four years that I know you, that I have seen a very different part navigate from what you were and how you're navigating and you're getting in touch with your emotional side. It's wonderful to see that. And I feel that you are like a quintessential example of even the tough person can actually be in touch with their inner being. Yeah. For sure, man. Thank you. Yeah. yeah cheers. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hmm. It's it's valuable, and um, and that's what I'm trying to normalize here. To yeah. Make, to make it okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, man. Mm. Here's my question: What are three things I've learned about family? I really miss my family. I've learned it's hard to be away from family. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you know that. And I would say, secondly, family for me and my family, each of my immediate family. So I have a mom, I have a dad, and I have two siblings. Yeah. And each of them is a reflection of me, mm-hmm. some part of me. Yeah. And all of those pieces of all four of them make up who I am in a lot of ways. That's wonderful. And that's tough too, because. There are parts of them I don't like. Yeah. There are parts of them that frustrate me and scare me and all of those things. And mm-hmm. that's kind of crazy, but it's a beautiful thing because I've met a lot of people who aren't particularly close to their families. Yeah. And I just hope that no matter what happens, we don't ever lose that Yeah, in my family. And then number three, family can be can be made, man. It can be... It doesn't have to be blood. Yeah. You know, I consider you my family, for example. We're very, too. very close yeah. friends. I know we're yeah. going to be friends the rest of our lives. The rest of our lives, yeah. And I have that same thing with other buddies. And yeah. my, my high school friends were yeah. like seriously brothers. Yeah. And yeah. and that's cool. Like, And that's the other th- maybe like the mm-hmm. other redemptive factor is that, you know, for those people whose families suck, you know, you can make your own. Yeah, you know, totally. Either like, either like, literally, like having met your own, you know, meeting a partner and having kids and stuff, or yeah. just like chosen family friends. Yeah, that yeah. become family. So yeah, we got the, you know what, we got again. It's a society thing. I feel, you know what, like we got the concept of family wrong. Like we, like for us, families, like oh, you know what, you need to have like a blood connection. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I think anyone who understands you, appreciates you for who you are shows up in times of despair, builds your family. You know? For sure. It doesn't need to be bloodline. Agreed. You know? Agreed. You know? Yeah. You know, and and that, like, I have built my entire family for the past six years, you know what? Mm-hmm. And I can bank on the fact that, yes, you know what? Like, people will show up given when I am in terrible danger or desperate, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, you know what? Um, you don't have to be a bloodline. I feel, yeah. <laughs> Amen, yeah. bro. Well, are you? You're a legend, man. Thank you. Oh no, you're for a, a wonderful conversation as always. Is there anything you want to promote? 
Oh, you, know, you yeah, have any like on. your art, your art, your music, your GitHub? No, man. Oh, you know GitHub? Wow. What is what is 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 Thomas getting into coding this now? Is tech you know? guy. He's this tech it's, guy. It's, it's it's nothing, you know. I feel like you know what? I don't have anything to promote, to be honest. Just a simple guy living a simple life, trying to. Oh my God. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh no no i i yeah i don't have uh, anything major to share but i'll definitely say to all the listeners like you know be positive like positivity can take you places you won't even imagine be positive work hard you know aim big i don't like the word dream you know what because dream is what you do in your sleep aim mm. is what you achieve so don't say dream big. I feel like always like aim big. Um, do it big. Yeah, do it Just big. Do it. Yeah. Uh, power Just... of positivity. I will always, always say power of positivity. You can achieve anything you want. And uh, yeah, you know what? And Amen. Yeah. Well, Thomas, it was super nice uh, talking to you. You know what? You've always been a great friend and brother. I think you're more than a brother than a friend for me. You know what? I always... Cheers, uh, man. Yeah. Likewise. You know, well, we have... Um, will be truly content you know yeah thanks for inviting me to your podcast and yeah hopefully you know what uh, you will do a round two when you are like super popular like for know, sure like a joe rogan kind of popular you know and hopefully you'll not forget me by then yeah <laughs> give it a few years we'll get there <laughs> yes totally totally okay thanks man thanks thanks a lot Thomas.